Well, again, good morning. Welcome to my community church. As I said a moment ago, my name is Greg. I'm one of the co-pastors here. Uh, it is great. It is great to be together with you all this morning as we seek and engage with God. Um, I want to say thanks to all of you for being here because I know it can be a challenge in, uh, with our busy schedules, but us gathering together is, is a statement and an action that reflects a spiritual reality that God is working in this world. Us being here together is a statement to the cosmos and to all of creation that God has not only created everything, but he is present and active in this world. At least that's what the Bible says, so good job. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you great thanks, God, for um, this day and for your presence in our lives. God, I give you thanks that we can come together. We can be together and hear from you together. And I pray you would speak to us in that way that you can only when we are gathered together, that there's something different about that. And so I pray that we would hear from you. I pray you would tune our hearts, so to speak, so that we would be able to, to be in sync with you and hear really clearly what it is you have for us this morning. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and move in this place and in our hearts. Um, yeah, yeah. We give you thanks for, for your presence with us. We give you thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in week three of a four-week sermon series on the topic of worship. And if you weren't here for the past two weeks, uh, I highly encourage you to go online uh, to our website and find those sermons, or you can go to some podcast service that has uh, our, our sermons on there and go listen to them. This series has been one um, that has had a ton to say. It's been really challenging and inviting, uh, so I, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, one of the things that I want to carry over from the other two services that I think will be helpful, it was our definition of worship, and that, that worship is, is simply what we do. Every action that we make gives honor to something or someone. Everything we do elevates something or someone. And in doing so, we are worshiping, both when we're intending to and when we're not. And when I say that, when we're not intentional about it, I, I think what we're meaning is that we may not be aware sometimes of what or who we are actually worshiping. And so we want to include that and say we want to become more aware of how our actions are showing us who or what we're worshiping. This morning, we're going to be talking about how our bodies matter to worship. Why is it important each week that we highlight that communion is this bodily, fleshy, human thing? Why do we hear when you feel the bread on your fingers and you taste the juice on your tongue? Why are those things important? Why do, why do we sometimes clap? Why do we sometimes sit or stand? Is that really stuff that's just preference or is there something more to it? Yesterday... Many of us participated with our bodies making a statement. For many, their bodily presence and participation, walking for women's rights, and much more, said something. Showing that in some ways, our bodies matter. Our presence and participation there, our bodily presence in those spaces communicated something. It made a difference. So I want to start with why our bodies matter to God. And how we interact with our bodies. Now, if you're wondering if I actually have any qualifications whatsoever to talk about this, um, I want to just, I have a few. Uh, first and foremost, I am a human being with a body. So, I've got some experience. Um, but, I, uh, I also have a degree in exercise physiology. I've practiced martial arts for about 35 years. I'm a certified yoga instructor and I'm a follower of Christ. I also have 
struggled with my body for years. Struggled with what it looks like, struggled with how it, what it does and what it can and can't do. I'm currently, as I age, I'm struggling more with what it used to be able to do that I want it to be able to do that it can't anymore, right? Yeah, some of us, right? right? I get up in the morning and I have to do some wrist circles and some ankle turns or else I do what I call the Ozzy Osbourne shuffle where I walk kind of like this as I go to the bathroom, right? Because my body's just not ready to jump up and get out of bed anymore, right? So, so there are things that I've struggled with, everything from uh, legitimately diagnosed eating disorders. Um, at one point in my life, I was really into, into working out in the gym, uh, but at the same time, being a Christian, I was wanting to not be narcissistic, and so I went out and purposefully bought really baggy sweatshirts and sweatpants so I actually couldn't see my body. So I wanted to work out, but I didn't want to see my body when I walked past the mirror because I didn't want to get caught like flexing or anything like that. And so I've been through all of these struggles and trying to figure out what does it mean to have this body, and how does this body engage with worship, and how, what, how is it connected to our spirituality? And so I hope that all of that can kind of help this today. Before we go any further, though, I'm going to have us all... It would be ridiculous in my mind to have a sermon on how our body is engaged with worship if we weren't going to actually do something with our bodies. And so we're going to do something with our bodies. Uh, We're going to do a breathing exercise. Now, I want you to know we're not trying to channel anything. We're not doing anything that is not Christian. We're simply breathing, which most of us hopefully have been doing for our whole lives. We're simply going to pay some attention to it that we don't usually do. Okay, so I also want you to know some of you may fall asleep while we do this. That's absolutely okay. I want you to try not to. If you do, and if you're quiet, no worries, right? When we're done, someone next to you will kind of go, uh, and you'll wake up. If you're snoring, I want to ask, which I would be, um, I, I want to ask someone who knows you, maybe next to you, or someone who is just kind, just give a little nudge. And if that doesn't work, just we'll all let it be, right? And, and we'll deal with it. Uh, I also want to say, if you have asthma or other breathing-related conditions, please feel free to stop at any time. Or if you feel like it's causing any kind of stress or anxiety, uh, please stop. Okay. So, first off, I want to invite you to get comfortable. Okay. Just relax. Sit in a way that is going to allow you to be comfortable for a few minutes. And I'd also like to ask you to please Close your eyes. As you do this, I want you to notice your connection to the different things in this room. The floor, the chair. Do you feel stable? Do you feel off balance? Do you feel settled? Maybe you feel like you want to be moving. As we begin this, how do these feelings kind of impact your whole person? How do you feel emotionally when you're off balance or uncomfortable or when you're stable or still? Next, if you would please just take a momentary inventory of the parts of your body that feel relaxed and if there are any parts of your body that feel stressed or tense. I just want you to be aware of these. Now I want to invite you to notice your breathing. Just become aware of it. Are there any specific sensations you feel when you are inhaling or any specific sensations you feel when you're exhaling? 
Some people feel heat or coolness. Some people feel full or empty, some tense, some letting go. What do you feel in your body as you breathe? Also notice the pace of your breathing. Does it feel slow, relaxed, smooth, rushed, shallow, ragged? Does it vary in pace, speeding up and slowing down? Even notice if there's a pause in between your inhale and your exhale. And are your inhale and exhale about equal in duration? And if they are, just keep breathing for a moment. And if they're not, I want to ask you to please try and even them out in terms of how long they last. Just get as close as possible. I want you to just notice how does your breathing in your body feel different now than it did just a few moments ago. And if comfortably possible, I would like to invite you to add maybe one second onto the ends of your inhale and your exhale. And then even take note of how that feels different. And if it's available to you in your body, I would like you to add a one-second pause after each inhale and after each exhale. And again, noticing any changes in how that feels. I want you to continue breathing at this pace until you... Hear me give the next directions. And while doing this, please remember that every breath is a gift from God. It's the very life of the Spirit of God that gave humanity life. Our breathing is an act of worship that our body carries out. And as you continue to breathe here for just a few moments, I just invite you to be aware of your body and how you are worshiping God just in being aware of who gives you each breath.
after your next exhale, would you please remove the pauses that you added at the end of each inhale and each exhale? Now I invite you to please let go of any kind of control you're trying to maintain over your breathing and just let your normal, regular breathing pattern reestablish itself. And notice how your breathing feels now compared to when we started. How do you feel now compared to when we started? You can also open your eyes anytime you feel ready. I'd like to ask if a couple people would be willing to share how you feel now versus when we started or how that felt. What, what did you feel going on in your body, in your heart? What was happening? Anyone? Yeah. You could hear your heart. Oh, and what, what was that like? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Other stuff. Yeah, Gabe. Much deeper breath. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because uh, the doctors and, and scientists say there, there are different amounts of, of breaths we should be taking per minute. Some people say it's as low as four. Like when we're really relaxed and really mellow, we should be breathing four times a minute. Other people are more like eight is more of a common. But most people find themselves up in the 12 to 20 range because we typically we're a little bit stressed and we're, we're anxious. And so sometimes sitting and breathing can help calm us down. Yeah. 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 Calm and relaxed. Yeah. It's a great thing. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, say that one more time, Valerie. It's easier for me to breathe in more control. Yeah. Interesting. And what, what did you notice about how you felt about that or what you thought about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Maybe one more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Great stuff. So our bodies respond to certain things we do, and they can respond in all kinds of ways, and they can reveal all kinds of things to us. And we've talked uh, before in several of our sermons about how breathing is this act of worship, that every breath you and I take is a gift from God and an act of worship by our bodies, and that we can further participate as a whole person in worship when we're aware of that and we're celebrating that gift. So thank you all for participating uh, in that. Um, I want to talk quickly about our bodies in the Bible because it's not uncommon in the Bible to find all kinds of examples of people worshiping and engaging with God both in their bodies but also with their bodies. And so uh, I think this will be helpful for us as we keep moving forward. Uh, this is Genesis 17, 3 through 5. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And it says, Abram fell face down. That's something that's available to us that we often don't utilize. Like, you're free in this space anytime to lay down flat on your face and just worship God that way, right? 
Not something we often do, and we'll talk about why. Okay, next, this is uh, 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 15. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Uh, a linen ephod is basically the, it's kind of an undergarment for the priest. It's basically a t-shirt and a pair of shorts all sewed together. Um, but so, and it was not considered to be very modest for him to be out in public this way, let alone dancing with all his might. Right? When I think about someone dancing with all their might, it almost scares me. Right? I, I think typically I would not look very highly upon that person. But this says this is what David was doing uh, before the Lord. And that all of Israel was bringing up the ark with shouts and sounds of trumpets along with him. There's a lot of freedom in that. Uh, next we have Daniel 9.3. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. So he's talking about fasting. I'm doing something with my body. I'm, I'm abstaining from food. I'm also wearing certain clothes and I'm putting ashes on my head. Right? There's certain things we do with our body that reflect where we're at and what is happening in terms of our relationship with God and the world around us. Uh, Psalm 47.1, clap your hands. We were just doing that this morning. All you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 95.6, come let us worship Come, let us bow down in worship. Sorry, I was going to the old song. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Right? Lots of times people want to kneel. There's a moment where you're feeling, I just want to be bowing down before God. And we also sang this morning about lift up your eyes. Right? That it's not just that we're bowed down and we have to stay there. It's that God, in our bowing down, lifts us up, lifts up our eyes so we can see and engage with him. Uh, Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's a pretty big statement that this is your true and proper worship, to offer our bodies as a sacrifice. Thinking back to how Jesus offered his body as a sacrifice. There's something even in our relationship with Jesus that our bodies matter. His body mattered. Um, and then this is in uh, Philippians 1, this is 18 through 26. And because of this, I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what was happened to me, which is he's in prison right now, uh, what was happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So there are all kinds of verses, all kinds of spots in Scripture that talk about our bodies. But lots of times we don't view our bodies, I think, in the same way that Scripture does. Scripture says to take our bodies, we go with them, that they are these wonderful, beautiful things that God has given us. And we enter into worship in our bodies and with our bodies. But I don't think we very often love our bodies. 
And I'm not talking about love like we're making an idol out of our bodies. And I'm not talking about love meaning we're trying to make our bodies perfect. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too. Right now I'm talking about our bodies right now and all of our different body types because each and every single one of us has a beautiful body that God has given us. And it's amazing because they're all different. Think about it. Some estimate that around 106 billion people have lived on planet Earth. And with the exception of twins and multiples, and if you want to talk to me about the science of that and correct me later, that's fine. But none of us are really exactly the same. That's amazing. 106 billion different people. And if you can't have twins and multiples that are exactly the same, that's amazing too. Right? So any way you go about it, there's amazing in there. Our bodies are amazing and wonderfully unique. And if there's anything I want us to take away today about our bodies, it's a reality of freedom with our bodies versus perfection and war with our bodies. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is about freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from names, that whether I've given them to myself or I've just bought into names that other people have given me. Freedom from having to be perfect and live up to the law. Many people who follow Jesus feel like and believe that God doesn't love us unless we behave and are perfect. This can carry over into our bodies and how we interact with our bodies. People will love me more if I look a certain way, when I'm perfect according to someone else's standards. I remember watching a show on MTV a while back called True Life, and there was this, uh, this particular episode was about uh, plastic surgery and the different kinds of plastic surgery people were trying to have done. And there was a guy on there, a young guy, probably in his early 20s, and he wanted to be a model. And he worked out all the time, and he was going to clubs, and he's connecting with the right people. And he, he looked fantastic. He had a total look of a model. But he wasn't getting any jobs. He wasn't, you know, didn't have a girlfriend and all these other things. And he said the sole reason was because his calves were too small. You know, these, these, this part of your leg right down here. He said, that's, that's the sole reason for all my trouble is that my calves are too small. And so what, uh, what they did was he went and had calf implants done. Um, and it was a brutal surgery, right? It, it, it just was, yeah, it was hard to watch. And if you know me, I don't have a hard time watching things like that. But there was something about this, and it was a really difficult recovery, really long and, and very difficult. And when he got back, and, and he went out into the world with his new calves, and, and he's hanging out with all the same people, and they're interviewing his friends, and they're like, yeah, I, I don't even really notice, right? And, and they're like, and we don't hang out with him because of his calves anyways, right? We actually like this guy, and, and his calves don't have anything to do with it. But we have all kinds of ideas about what makes our body perfect, we have all kinds of perceptions, and I'm going to go through some images and talk through them, but I want you to know uh, some of the images you're going to think, no, that's not cool, that's okay, that's gross, or that's beautiful, or whatever, um, and, and that's fine, but the, I do want you to know there are some images that I originally had in there that, that I, I didn't include in here, um, and, and some of that is because of my own space that I'm in right now with my body, um, that they just weren't helpful for me, and they had to do with different eating disorders, um, and, but I do want to communicate that, that some of the things we're going to talk about in some of these images, they're, they're extremes, okay? And, and, and some of the eating disorders that people go through and that people deal with, there are some extreme ways of viewing our bodies that are involved there. Um, and so I, I want that to be known. I don't want it to feel like I'm ignoring 
a very real uh, uh, thing for, for some of us. Um, but these are kind of uh, some, different, some different things to think about. Okay, so we've got some pretty big guys here. Um, one, just a bodybuilder. The other, a mixed martial arts fighter um, who I would not want to be anywhere near because um, I think he could just crush me by looking at me. Um, but here, um, and, and we're going to compare that to uh, these two guys. Now, these two guys are professional bodybuilders. It's all they do. And they're massive, right? Huge, huge guys. Some people think gross, inappropriate. Other people think this is the pinnacle of what the human body should be like. Okay? And so there's all kinds of ways we think that our bodies should be. When we attach these sometimes to different athletic activities, we're a little more okay with it. Right? The bodybuilders are actually nowhere near as strong as these guys are. Um, and these guys are much bigger just in overall body mass than the bodybuilders are. Um, but we typically don't look at these men and go, oh, that's gross, right? Even though they're actually bigger and stronger than most of the bodybuilders. But because it, there's a certain way it looks and certain things, we see why they do this. Oh, they need to haul planes down the road or something, right? <laughs> so, you know, we have some reason that we attach it. Now, uh, we also have uh, female bodybuilders. Um, and again, lots of people think this is beautiful. Lots of people think this is not. Okay, but these are perceptions. There are ways that people think about. I want to achieve perfection with my body. I want to try to. I got to train my body. All this stuff. When we again, when we associate it with athletes, we tend to be a little less critical on them because we see some value, especially when they're winning gold medals for our country, right? So we tend to be okay with certain things uh, in certain ways. Um, Again, uh, some different people, different celebrities. We have Bruce Lee and uh, Jason, I can't remember his last name, and, and some models and another gal doing exercises. And these are more toned down versions, but they're still ideals, right? That lots of us, when we look at we don't go, oh, that's, that's not gross. But at the same time, we might go, oh, but I might want to look like that, but I could never look like that. And so we're already in this kind of battle, in this kind of struggle, Okay. Those of you who know me know I love superheroes. Okay, I love comics. Now let's look at, on your right, we have Batman in the late 60s. On our left, we have Batman last year. They look fairly different. Batman's been hitting the gym, apparently, <laughs> since then. And, right, right? Look at Superman over the years. Right? There's a process that Superman's gone through. He's also working out a lot, even though he could lift like the planet. I don't know what he lifts to get better. And then another interesting thing I want us to notice, this is Wonder Woman, right? So what is, it's, it's different changes, right? Wonder Woman here just looks more fierce, right? And there might be other things we pick up on, but it's not like with the guy superheroes, it's like they've built up massive, right? They've got these huge muscles, Right? But what has it changed between the 70s and now in terms of how people are wanting to portray women heroes? Right? So there's all kinds of things going on. Now I have one, uh, one more picture of a, of a guy, and I just call this guy large bicep guy um, because he, uh, he maybe overworked his bicep. Um, well, and he eventually, there's a... There's a video of this guy, and his bicep basically detaches and comes down, and it's also like leaking uh, 
several different kinds of fluid, um, some that are natural to his body and some that aren't. Um, but he's trying to achieve something here, right? He, he, there's something he's going after, something he thinks he needs that would drive him to go this far. And, and I bring these up to talk about, one, both our perceptions of how we view ourselves, and none of us would probably say, oh, yeah, I want to be like that guy. But most of us are not always super excited about our bodies. And we have these ideals. And sometimes they can trickle over into how we think about Jesus. Right? Listen to some of these quotes. Jesus is as a prize fighter with a tattoo down his leg. A sword in his hand and the commitment to make someone bleed. That is a guy I can worship. I cannot worship the hippie diaper halo Christ because I cannot worship a guy I can beat up. Another quote. Rembrandt, that pansy Amsterdam guy, didn't like the idea of a muscular Christianity or warrior Jesus at all. Hero Jesus was for Rubens and the Catholics down in Antwerp and in verbal form of the extreme Gomorrah's Calvinist and Rembrandt's native Leiden. Uh, so that, that was all jumbled in there. Rembrandt, though, imagined Christ as a very ordinary man with an ordinary build, suffering as an ordinary person would, dying in extreme pain. He doesn't look like he could put up much of a fight or kick anyone's sort of like all the rest of us. Rembrandt would say that's the whole point. Right? And so, yeah, we, some of these statements are exaggerated. This picture, obviously exaggerated. I don't want to downplay that sometimes Jesus acted in very aggressive ways, acting swiftly and decisively. But sometimes he's late. Sometimes he's sleeping. Sometimes he leaves at weird moments. And sometimes he promises his disciples things. And right before the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake and have some alone time. When they get there to have alone time, 5,000 people show up and Jesus bails on alone time, right? Sometimes he's gentle and weak and even dead. A consequence of human failure. Jesus failed in his dying. That is the ultimate failure of the human body is to die. And Jesus died a real, legitimate death. And if we don't take that in, then we can't take his sacrifice as being real. If he didn't die a real death, if it was just a pseudo-death, yeah, he kind of died, he went through some stuff, but then it was all, uh, if it wasn't a real death, then the sacrifice isn't real. The body is important. And so we learn from our bodies. We can empathize with the suffering when we suffer. We can feel elation with those who feel elation when we succeed. We can experience strength and weakness in our body, including our mind. Our mind is part of our body. Even the things that are seemingly challenges can be teachers for us. I wanted to show this video, but it was nine minutes long, and you guys know me. I already go long enough, so I'm going to describe it, though, which hopefully won't take longer. Uh, But uh, you, you also know that I love watching shows like America's Got Talent because I love seeing people be celebrated, right? And on lots of those shows, they celebrate people. I'm not so hip on them when they don't. But, um, but there was a guy who came on, and he uh, started talking, and he had a pretty aggressive stutter. And you could tell that the judges were like, what, what are you going to do for us? And uh, so Howard Stern says, so what's your name? The guy says his name, and what are you going to do? He's like, well, I'm a stand-up comedian. And you're like, oh, really? 
How is this going to work? And the guy tells his story, and he was a softball player, um, and a ground ball took a hard bounce and hit him right in the throat and damaged a bunch of nerves in his throat. And so he stutters now. And in this moment when he's telling his story, and it's in kind of the, 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 the backstage area, and um, it's before he went out, and they do all those little sort of bio pieces. And, but one of the things he says that was interesting is he says, the person I was before never would have hung out with me now. I would have looked down on me. Right? I, I considered it a privilege that people could come and talk to me before I had this happen. Right? It was like a blessing to them if they got to be with me. Right? And now he's like, and I want everyone to know that that's not the way life is. That's not the way we should be. And he comes out and he starts doing his routine and and he's funny, right? He's got some funny stuff. He talks about how he wants his voice to be like everyone's GPS voice, right? And so he's saying like, yeah, you're going to have to make this turn. But he stutters. And so he goes, now reroute U-turn and you're going in circles. And he does it in this really funny way. And at one point he even says, someone accused me of like, you know, you can't, you can't tease about disabilities just because you have one. And then his response was, did I stutter when I said it? Right? And so he's, he's trying to find ways. And Howie Mandel, who's a comedian and one of the judges, he stands up and hits the gold buzzer, which means no more competition for this guy. He goes straight to the finale. And when they asked why, Howie Mandel said, because you did something. He said, comedy comes from a dark place. Most comedians are depressed people. Right? And they're trying to find ways to deal with their depression. And so humor comes out, and they put this spin on it. And he said, I have not been moved by performance on this show as much as I have been by you. Because you focused on the light, not the dark. Right? You took what you have, and you loved who you are, and it became a positive. Amazing. So what's the alternative then? If we're not supposed to strive for, for, for perfection, and we're supposed to bring all our stuff together... One of my favorite uh, singers, Bono, says, uh, he uses the word sexy. Sexy is when it feels good to be in your own skin. That your own body feels right. It's comfortable. It's when you love being you. Both of my daughters have been dancing for several years now. And the dance studio that I go to, all that dance just down the road, it's fantastic for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons why I love this dance studio is for a long time now, every year, they have this week they call Love Your Body Week. And they paint it all over their windows. And every class, they bring all the dancers from that class together, and they talk about what it means to love your body. And this came out of one of the instructors saw five- and six-year-old girls comparing the size of their thighs and not like, oh, wow, we're different, but like, oh, I'm better because my thigh is more muscular or it's leaner or whatever. And this five- or six-year-old kid's talking about this. And this instructor said, that's not right, and so we need to change that. And started to go into this love your dance, love your body week. And so what they do is they get together and they, they talk about what is one thing you love about your body. And then they write on an eight-and-a-half by 11 sheet of paper. They write out about that, or they write a poem or draw a picture, and then they place them all over the building, right? And so for, for weeks and months, dancers get to see these posters. And it's not just their message reminding them. It's all these other messages Reminding them to love their bodies. And then the dancers get to bring those home. And I am convinced that this is a work that the Holy Spirit is doing in our neighborhood through that dance studio by speaking a truth into a hurting and distorted world 
where we are typically at war with our bodies. And I keep wanting to ask, why hasn't the church said something like this, right? And when the church does it, God finds ways to do it, right? So now it's up to us to go, yep, they're right. Let's join in. It's about loving our bodies into freedom. Bruce Lee said that martial arts are the ultimate form of honest self-expression. I found that fascinating, that that the body was the vehicle for the ultimate form of honest self-expression. He said this because he said all different martial arts styles were developed by, you know, so you've got these different styles, and there was one person who developed karate, and that's because karate worked really good for their body. They knew their body. They loved their body. They developed a system that worked well, and kung fu was developed by someone else, and, and all these other styles, and but his thing was is that everyone should have their own style because everyone's got a different body. It's honest self-expression, freedom in our bodies. And when we are all raising our hands, clapping, standing or sitting, lying face down or dancing, we're all receiving communion together. We're going through some similar motions, but we have different bodies and each one of us is different. And yet we come together and we're united in this place, worshiping God with our bodies. Okay, i got a couple other things I want to share. Many of us are ashamed of our bodies, and so we don't do much with them. Or we're ashamed of ourselves, and that translates into, I don't really want a lot of attention being drawn to myself. And if I'm going to start clapping, or if I'm going to stand up and raise my hands, or I'm going to dance, or I'm going to lie down, or I'm going to kneel, that draws attention to me. It puts me out there, and I don't want to do that because I'm ashamed of who I am. And lots of times that is attached to some level of shame with our bodies. Love your body. My girls, my daughters, when they were younger, before they knew how to dance, they knew how to dance, right? We would put on a song by Macklemore, um, and they knew how to dance, right? No one had told them how to dance, and they just danced however it felt. There's this other song by a band called Casper Baby Pants called Baby Cloud, and when you put that song on, it's kind of this sneaky song, and they would start moving around, and they would sneak, and they would dance, No one ever told them, this is how you dance to that song. They danced because there was freedom in their bodies. They're moving around. And right now, if the Moana soundtrack is on in my house, it is dance festival, right? And we're all part of it, right? We're all singing, I am Moana, and we hands raised because that's the way you do it in musicals and all this kind of stuff. And we are singing and dancing and moving and grooving. One of my friends, uh, Dan Dameron, Grew up in Montesano, and he used to talk about, at high school dances, um, all the guys did what he called the Monty Shuffle. And you got to imagine this is a baseball cap. Baseball cap down, going like this at all the dances. Right? But bless them. Right? They're moving. They're trying. They're doing something, even if it's the Monty Shuffle. Right? When the music is grooving like it was this morning, if there's a little bit of a movement in your body, you got to let it out. And if there's not, that's okay too. But there has to be freedom for us to be who we are in our own bodies. Okay. I've covered a lot. I know there are some people who want to dance and clap and move around and some people who don't. That's okay. But again, freedom to be who you are. Um, Christians and the church, we've done a really poor job of teaching about and living out what it means to have a wonderful, beautiful body created and given to us by God that's designed to worship, to lift God up. And we worship, I think, more engaged as a whole person when we acknowledge and engage with our bodies as well as our minds and our hearts and our spirits. 
So I invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing one more song. I have a couple of questions I'd like you to answer. You could write these answers down in that connection card and put it in those wood boxes. It gives us a great way to pray for all of you uh, and also respond if you have questions about any of the stuff we talked about. Uh, first question, what is one thing you love about your body? Right? Today, I love my beard. Right? That's lots of days for me. Right? But... What is one thing you love about your body? Could be that your body gets you where you need to go. Could be that your body's equipped exactly for you to be particularly who you are and get done the things that God has for you. Could be whatever. Second, what is one practice you could do to pay more positive attention to your body? Could be that breathing exercise we did this morning. Could be you taking a minute to just sit and breathe and acknowledge. Yep, that breath, that's worship. Thank you, Jesus. That breath, Holy Spirit, you are moving through me. You are animating this body, giving it life. You are the very breath of God. Third, what is one way you can practice freedom in your body instead of perfection or being at war with your body? Okay, I talked a lot about my attitudes about my body and some of the things I had where I was at war. I was struggling and actually hating my body and some of the um, ways people strive for perfection. And the hard thing is perfection is never going to be attained. And so when do you ever stop? But what's a way you can practice freedom in and enjoy your body, enjoy exactly who you are, right? For these folks up here, there's instruments they play with their bodies, right? That's something you can do. So what's one practice you can engage in that's going to practice freedom in your body instead of perfection or being at war with your body? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I give you great thanks that you understand, Lord, what it's like to have a body. You became one of us, fell down, bumped your head, maybe hit your thumb with a hammer, who knows, all kinds of things that that we've gone through. You experienced the pain of having a body. You experienced the joy of being able to run and and jump with with other kids and play and all that kind of stuff. God, you, you experienced those things, what it's like to eat a good meal, what it's like to go without Jesus, I pray we would, as a church and as a people of God, celebrate what you've given us and that we would engage with you as a whole person. Please help us to have the freedom to do that. Please help us to love our bodies in a way that can lead us to that freedom. And I ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing this?